0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to have you with us today. Whether you're here in person or you're watching online, I am glad you joined us. And just to follow up on that video about ICOM, man, this is a a great opportunity to just have your perspective uh, stretched into this global vision of what God is doing. And our global mission team here at church had this fun idea to get a charter bus and go up there as a group, and that makes it a lot easier to make this trip. You just sit back and enjoy, and they'll drop you off right there. We'll get to meet some of our mission partners, and I really encourage you to join us on this trip. You can sign up at plumcreek.org slash ICOM, and the sooner you do that, the more it helps us to plan for those numbers. Well, I'm excited to dig into God's Word this morning, but before we do that, we have a couple things we need to pray about as a church, and obviously, we need to pray about everyone who has been affected by Hurricane Ian, and that includes many people in our church family who live in Florida, in this area that was hit hard, either uh, part of the year or full-time. Uh, some people call that Plum Creek South down there because there's so many from here that have, have been down there. It's, it's been tough to wrap my head around all the damage this storm has caused. It's just devastating. Uh, So we want to pray that God will provide the help that so many people need, and God can do that directly, but he also does that through his church, through people like us. So in the coming weeks, we're going to look for other ways that we can help. Here's a second thing to pray about. Right now, we have a short-term mission team from Plum Creek that is in North Africa. This team, they're visiting one of our mission partners And they're in a country where Christians are often persecuted. So because of that, I won't tell you the name of the country. I won't give you the the names of these team members. But you know what? God knows everything about everything. So we can go to him now in prayer. And let's take a moment to do that together. Father, we look to you as the source of our help. And, Lord, we we know that we always need you, but in certain times, uh, we can see that we are helpless without you. So, Lord, we we pray that uh, you would just, in your mercy, provide help and relief for everyone who is just dealing with the aftermath of this storm. I also pray for comfort for those who have lost a loved one. And I pray for your church, because this is a ministry opportunity. It's a chance to show the love and compassion of Jesus. And and I pray that uh, your church will do that, as we've seen so many times before. And I I pray that others will uh, be drawn to Jesus and give glory to you because of that. I also lift up this team in Africa right now. I I pray that you would bless them, bless their work, keep them safe and help them to be bold for you, that they would uh, sow seeds that will uh, just lead in many people coming, coming to know you through Jesus. And right now, Lord, as we look to your word, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, and that we would be changed because we have been here in your presence, listening to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in the fourth and final week of this sermon series called Life on Mission. And this series has been a good reminder. It's, it's a reminder that we're here for a reason. God created us for a purpose, and we don't want to waste our lives. And for the past several weeks, we've seen that Scripture is very clear about our purpose and our mission. We're here to love God, love people, and lead others to Jesus. Jesus. So, in this series, we've taken several specific steps that help us live on mission, and we'll continue to do that today. But as I get started, I want to point out this uh, micro thrift store right behind me here. I brought along some old shirts from my house. These are mine, and I, I hate to disappoint you, but none of these are for sale See, here's the thing. I've been uh, in ministry on staff at a local church for over 25 years now. And you may not realize this, but there are several perks that come with being a minister. And one of the great perks is that you get a ton of free t-shirts. And at my house, if you took out all my church shirts and you laid them out in chronological order, you would see basically a history of my time in ministry. For example, some of you remember this shirt from the Beast Feast event back in 2020. Uh, this event took place just a few weeks before COVID hit. And man, those were the days pre-COVID, that was a good, good time. <laughs> so here's another one that dates back to my time as a student minister in Savannah, Georgia. Should've ironed this thing. But this was from Band Wars, it was a battle of the bands. We did this several years in a row and, and those nights were a lot of fun. Uh, one, one time, I even got to perform myself. I was in a musical duo called the Doug and Zach Mandolin Attack. I was thinking about that this week. Maybe time to get the band back together. Now, this one is 20 years old. Uh, it's it's uh, looking a little worn. This was from Parkview Church of Christ in Finley, Ohio. And during my years there, I led a three-on-three basketball tournament. And this particular year, it was called Hoop Wars Uh, So you might be noticing a theme here, band wars, hoop wars. I I tried to make that Star Wars connection wherever I could. But this is really one I wanted to show you. Uh, This is also from here at Plum Creek. Uh, This was an event we did back in 2016. It was a big weekend of serving. And on the front of this shirt, you can see a salt shaker and a light bulb. And some of you know exactly what that means, but it's not obvious to everyone one time I wore this shirt at an airport, and I was up at the counter talking to a Delta agent, and he looked at this, and he said, what, what's that about? And I explained it to him, and he thought it was very cool, because this, this salt shaker in the light bulb, it comes from a sermon that Jesus preached. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. You can see that in Matthew chapter 5. And in this sermon, Matthew, or Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with a list that that we call the Beatitudes. Jesus said things like, blessed are the poor, poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And basically, the Beatitudes are a list of characteristics that you would find in people who are a part of God's kingdom. And you become a citizen of God's kingdom when you give your life to Jesus. And when you are a citizen of God's kingdom, you let him rule and reign in your life. And when God rules and reigns over you, then the Holy Spirit changes you, transforms you from the inside out. That's when you become a totally different person. You, you grow to become more like Jesus, and you take on these characteristics of people in the kingdom of God. Then right after the Beatitudes... Here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, he's still speaking to his disciples and and he says an amazing thing. We'll read it. Matthew 5, starting with verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that, my friends, is why we have the salt shaker and the light bulb on the front of this shirt. Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said, You are the salt of the earth. And then he said, you are the light of the world. So we've got two metaphors here. And first, let's think about salt. What what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, what does salt do? For one thing, salt gives flavor to food. Makes your french fries taste better. Salt also purifies and it preserves. Back in Roman times, salt was extremely valuable. Sometimes the Romans called it white gold. They, it was in such high demand, mainly because of that preservation value. You could preserve your food with it, especially meat and fish. And this week, this week I learned that the Roman army would occasionally pay their soldiers with salt instead of money. And this was fascinating to me. Uh, the monthly pay for these soldiers, it was called salarium and solarium comes from the latin word for salt which is salt. <laughs> and of course years and years later the word solarium made it into the english language it became salary i just thought that was very cool but this tells us that when jesus says you are the salt of the earth that's a very high compliment jesus is saying You are someone of great value. You have a significant purpose in the same way that salt flavors and purifies and preserves. God has called you to to go into the world and be a positive influence in the same way. Now, the other metaphor that Jesus uses here is light. And the world is often a dark, dark place. And Jesus expects his disciples to stand out in this dark world, like a lamp on a stand, like a city on a hill, like stars in the night sky. And when the church is working right, this actually happens. Followers of Jesus go into this dark and broken world, and they bring hope and joy and light. That's the plan that God has designed. And when the church follows that plan and when we live as salt and light, what's the result? That's what we see in verse 16. When we're full of the love of Jesus, when we live as salt and light, the world sees something that they're missing, and that's when God uses us to be influencers. Others see our love and our good deeds, and they're drawn to Jesus, some of them become followers of Christ. Some of them go on to glorify our Father in heaven. And it's really exciting to think about God using us in that way. However, for certain people, for some of us, at certain times, this salt and light idea, it's not really exciting. It feels more like a weight. It feels like Jesus told us to go out and do some hard things. I mean, you've got to go out and influence the world and not be influenced by the world. You've got to stand out from the crowd and be different, which is another way of saying be weird. And then on top of all that, when you meet people who don't really care about God, don't even believe in God, somehow you're supposed to change their minds so that they eventually give glory to God. So when you think about trying to do all of those things, All day, every day, this salt and light thing, it it can feel like a long and intimidating to-do list. But you know what? If that's how you feel when you read this passage, I have good news. This idea, it's not as much about go and do, it's really more about go and be. It's not about going into the world with a long to-do list, it's just about being who you are in Christ. Think about what Jesus did not say. He did not say, go out into the world and do a bunch of salty things. Go into the world and try to shine light in the darkness. That's not what he said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's an identity. If you've given your life to Jesus, this is who you are. It's like Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. This is what happens when you become a citizen of God's kingdom. This is what happens when God rules and reigns in your life. Like I said, the Holy Spirit transforms you from the inside out. He, He gives you this new identity, and you start growing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We just talked about these things a few weeks ago. And there is a pattern here. It's a pattern that we often see in nature. Uh, For example, you could take apple trees. How do apple trees grow fruit? Do they try really hard? Do they force the fruit to to come out of the branches? No, that's, that's not what happens. Apple trees grow fruit because that's just their nature apple trees grow apples it's a natural outcome of being who they are and that's something i love about the kingdom challenges we started last week a kingdom challenge is an opportunity to live out your identity in christ it's an opportunity to be salt and light now in case you don't know what this is about last sunday was an important day here at plum creek At the end of the service, I invited everyone to come down and take one of the envelopes off of this display. And inside each envelope is a challenge. It's an action step that can make a positive difference for God's kingdom. There are lots of different challenges. Uh, Some have a local focus. Others have a global focus. You could pick which one you wanted. And like I said, there are three parts to these kingdom challenges. Part one, you pray about it. You pray that God would lead you to to what he wants you to do. Part two, you you choose an envelope, you open it up, and you read it. And then part three, you decide whether or not you will accept the challenge. And if you do accept it, you have 60 days to complete it from last Sunday. Last Sunday night at our life group, we talked about this. We we talked about the different challenges we got. We talked about what we were going to do from here. And I loved that discussion because... We encourage each other to take these bold steps of faith. And when we do this, when we take those bold steps, it's amazing to see what God will do. We wanted you to hear from a couple people who have accepted a challenge. So we, we made a video and let's watch this together now.
1: When we first heard about the challenge, we were pretty excited. We thought that it would be a great opportunity to do something with our family, and we started talking about whether we wanted to choose local or global, and I think pretty unanimously, we decided that we would do local. Um, We thought it would be a great way for us to involve our kids in some local ministry. And it was neat, because in church, we didn't really know what the global would look like, although we do have a, a passion for others across the world. Right now where our family is, we, that's kind of our thought process was local is where we're investing right now um, with our time, our talents, and our treasures. So that was what we wanted to wanted to approach with this challenge, not knowing what it would be. But uh, so when it when it came time for actually listening to Doug on Sunday, it was neat because I was really getting excited about both of them. I didn't know whether we wanted to, but because we talked about it already, I thought we'd go ahead and choose local and didn't want to just open it in church without anybody else because Viv was serving in the back and we really wanted to involve the kids. So so when we got home at lunch um, we sat down at the island and um, we were eating and uh, just talking about it and and we opened it up and read, read the challenge. So the one we got was number six local and the general idea is to try to minister to another family with maybe with children, or you know, with any kind of need that we may be able to fulfill. And what I thought was interesting is when I was in the service, uh, I was getting really excited about the two examples that Doug gave. And I, hadn't, I wouldn't have thought about this right off the bat, but we had prayed that, that God would kind of open our hearts to whatever it is. And although I was really excited about well, well, the ones we had heard in the sermon. The challenge we got, the more we were talking about it, we were saying, wow, this, actually, I don't know why we hadn't thought about this before, but the way in which we'd love to do it, really suits the gifts that we have in, in our experiences. You know, as we were talking about it with the kids and with each other, um, it was something that, you know, right off the bat, didn't strike me as really exciting, but the more we had talked about it, thought about it, the more exciting it became until, so, We're we're very excited to, to do this challenge.
2: We received challenge number two, local, to help with the Sharing Center and build relationships with some of the people that we meet there and then offer a meal to them for that last month. And It was interesting when we opened the challenge because this was something that Hannah and I had talked about doing before, but we had never actually done it. You know getting there by eight o'clock in the morning was a bit of a challenge and so when i opened the envelope i wasn't really surprised because i thought this was god's way of showing me yes this is something you could have been doing all along and so we're really looking forward to serving together my daughter's boyfriend is going to join us too and so that's going to be exciting to be able to share that together with them and to go outside of our comfort zone i don't know about anybody else i was a little bit worried that it might be too difficult. And so I had prayed that God would lead us to the right challenge. And I'm glad that we're going to be able to serve together and get to know people and to get involved in a ministry that we haven't been involved with yet.
0: Isn't that great? I I know that we're going to hear so many cool stories between now and Thanksgiving, and that's already been happening just this week. Uh, From Darren and Vivian's uh, life group, there were, I think, four couples that got this one challenge. Out of 16 challenges, four got the same one to provide a date night or respite care for a family that would be blessed by that. Uh, Maybe foster parents or a single parent or uh, a family with a child with special needs. And so they were able to encourage each other and maybe make some plans for how to do that or maybe even team up. So many great stories like that, and I know that many, many of you have accepted a challenge and you let us know, and, and we appreciate that. If you have accepted a challenge and you haven't told us about that yet, really uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, just go to plumcreek.org kingdomchallenge, or you just contact the office, and uh, then that helps us help you if we know which challenge you've accepted. If you haven't gotten an envelope yet, you can do that here today. Uh, At the end of service, just come down, pick one up. If you're watching online, go to that same website. But as you take these bold steps of faith, remember, this is not as much go and do. It's really more go and be. You know, I think we need to dive a little deeper into this concept because many of us, maybe most of us, have a tendency to approach life with a go-and-do mindset. We try to force those apples to grow instead of just letting them grow. So let's see if we can answer a question here in the time we have left. How can I just be salt and light? How, How can I focus less on doing and more on being? Well, the simple answer is something I already mentioned. You just let God change you from the inside out. And starting from the inside is very, very different than starting from the outside. When you start on the outside, it's really just behavior modification. That's when maybe you look at a strong Christian and you think, okay, I'm going to try really hard to do what that strong Christian does. But if that's where you start, you you set yourself up for failure. Because if your heart hasn't changed on the inside, you're just putting on a show. And you can't keep up that show forever. So you have to let God change you from the inside out. And the reality is that change starts with a death, your death. Paul talks about this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A few minutes ago we read 2 Corinthians 5.17 and that's where Paul said everyone in Christ is a new creation. And and that's really nice. It sounds very positive. But Galatians 2.20 here is the flip side of that. Before that new birth, there has to be a death. And that's why Paul says I have been crucified with Christ. My old sinful self has been nailed to the cross. He is dead and he is buried, but I rose again as a new creation. Now, I I live this life where I'm not the one running the show anymore. I gave control over to Jesus and he is living through me. That's what it looks like for God to change you from the inside out. But I'm not naive here. I know we can read this verse and even believe this verse, and still go straight back to that go-and-do mindset. So let's get very practical. How do we get to the destination where Paul ended up? How do we get from point A to point B? Well, it's important to know that whoever you are, God has a next step for you to take. Everybody here in this room, everybody listening, there is a next step that God wants you to take. But this next step, don't think go-and-do. It's really not about something you do. It's about something you allow God to do in you. This is what it means to live by faith. That's what Paul said right here. He said, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So, that means you let God take you where you need to be. And if we all have a next step to take, what is yours? Do you know? Well, I'll give you a few options Number one, you may need to take that first big step and give your life to Jesus. This is where you die to your old self and you become a new creation. And how do you know when you're ready to take this big step? Well, you know when you realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You know that you have sinned against God and your sin separated you from God. And if nothing changes, you're going to be separated from Him forever. But Jesus made it possible for you to have a restored relationship with God because he went to the cross, he sacrificed his life, he took your sin on his shoulders, he paid the debt that you were supposed to pay. And because of what Jesus did, God offers you this gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And you receive that gift by faith. And you express that faith by believing in Jesus, by declaring that he is your Lord and your master, by turning away from your old sinful life, and by being baptized into Christ. That's where you're immersed in water, you you are dying to your old self, you're buried in the water, and then you rise up and you live a new life as a new creation. There's a young man who's going to be baptized here later today, and Last week, I had the opportunity to sit down with him and listen to his story. And wow, God is doing amazing things in this young man's life. He is being transformed. And if this is your big step that you need to take, God can change your life too. Just let him do what he does. Now, uh, that's one possible next step. If you've taken that one, you need to move on and stay close to Jesus. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's go back to our apple tree. That's another metaphor that Jesus used. I mentioned it here not long ago. If you cut a branch off of the apple tree, is it going to grow apples? No. At that point, it's only going to die. But if that branch is connected to the tree, then it receives the nutrients and the life that help it to thrive and grow and produce fruit. And that's why Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do you stay close to Jesus? How do you remain in him? Well, for one thing, you spend time with God through prayer, through reading his word. And for some of us, that may seem so basic and elementary. It's it's the old pray and read your Bible thing that preachers always say. But if, if it does seem elementary to you, I would humbly ask, are you actually doing these things? If so, great. If not, this is your step. And you know, we provide lots of resources here at Plum Creek to, to help you do these things. Uh, we print up a Bible reading plan in the bulletin every week. We also put that on Facebook. Uh, we put out a prayer calendar every month. You can pick that up in the Beacon newsletter. Uh, it's also on our website at plumcreek.org prayer. Uh, we want to help here because this is vital. Spend time with God every day. There's another important way to stay close to Jesus, and that's to get connected with the church. And this is different than just attending on Sunday morning. This is a place where we can help each other grow closer to Jesus and stay close to Him. Like I said, I saw this happen in my life group last week. So if you have been sort of hanging out at Plum Creek, but you've, you've never truly gotten connected, I encourage you to do that. You, you can stop by the Connection Cafe on your way out today. That's, that's one easy step to take. You can come to our Discover Lunch, which is happening in a few weeks. You could also drop anchor and say, you know what? I'm going to commit to be a part of this church family. I'm going to become a member here. Uh, There's a a new member who joined Plum Creek last week, and she sent me an email that just made me smile. So I asked her if I could uh, read this for you. She said, I prayed about it, and I felt it was time to put myself out there with a church again. I love Plum Creek. And it's the first church I've been to in a very long time that feels like home. That's what I pray for. I pray that Plum Creek will be a a family where we help each other stay close to Jesus. I have one more next step that you might take. And this is a big one. Uh, This is really about your whole life. So once you give your life to Jesus and as you stay close to Jesus, you go on and you live on mission. You love God, you love people, and you lead others to Jesus. And, you know, you can't jump straight to this step. You have to start with the other two. But this is what naturally happens as the Holy Spirit changes your life. This is not about go and do. This is something you allow God to do in you and through you. I have one more illustration that may be helpful. We already read Matthew 5.14 where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. However, in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So which is it? Is Jesus the light or are we the light? Well, I, I think it's obvious. Jesus and his followers are both the light of the world, but there's a very big difference between the two. And to illustrate this difference, I have one more shirt to show you. Now, this is a a camp shirt I got from Camp Northward a few years ago. And the front of the shirt says, shine, which is about being the light. It's exactly what we're talking about here. And the cool thing about this shirt is the word shine glows in the dark. And and you know about glow-in-the-dark things. In order for them to shine, they have to be charged up, right? And if we just dropped the house lights right now, There's a little light on the shirt, but it wouldn't glow very much. But I happen to have a black light behind me here. And if I switch this on, and I put that black light up next to the shirt in the same way that followers of Jesus are supposed to stay close to him, then things really start to change. And I can see it working right now. I can see that word starting to light up. So uh, if we can, let's, let's go ahead and drop those lights about as low as we can. And uh, man, you can see that, can't you? And imagine hundreds, thousands, millions of shirts like this that are just reflecting the light of Jesus. This is who we're called to be. We're called to be like this shirt where we're not the source of light, we just reflect the light of Jesus. And we have to remember The only way we stay bright is if we stay close to Jesus. So we can go ahead and bring those lights back up. But this is what it's about. This is how it works. This is how we do what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 5, 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And now we know this is not as much go and do, As it is, go and be. So as we wrap this up, I want to take these words from Jesus and make them personal for all of us. And we've actually done this before. It's a good exercise. First, we want to read Matthew 5.13. But instead of you are, we're going to say I am. I am the salt of the earth. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, go ahead and say that with me. Ready? Here we go. I am the salt of the earth with God's help I will flavor the culture around me I will be a positive influence in this world now let's look at Matthew five fourteen. I am the light of the world again let's say that together I am the light of the world I will be light in the darkness I will take hope and joy and light into this dark world it feel strange to say that it might but according to jesus if we're his disciples this is who we are this is our identity last one matthew five 16. let's read this together i will let my light shine before others that they may see my good deeds and glorify my father in heaven This doesn't happen by trying hard This happens when the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. And it actually does happen. I've seen it many, many times. And this is how we become the church on mission. Let's pray. Father, uh, We look to you, again, as as the one who provides exactly what we need. We are so helpless without you, even to try to to be the person we know we should be. We can't do it on our own. So we ask you for help. We ask you to help us live as these new creations, to be salt, to be light in a world that so desperately needs you. So, Lord, I pray that you will do that in each of us, in our church here at Plum Creek and in your church around the world. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.